0: global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com the Radio Plus mobile app and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. the Dow, the S&P NASDAQ all advancing right now. We have got the S&P 500 index climbing by 12. That is a gain of five tenths of one percent. And this update is brought to you by J.P. Morgan Asset Management. They're committed to arming advisors with investment solutions to solve the toughest retirement challenges. Visit jpmorgan.com slash funds slash defend the future. JP Morgan Distribution Services Inc., S and P 500 Index up 12, now a gain of five tenths of one percent. Nasdaq up 66, up by one percent. The Dow up 34, up two tenths of one percent. The ten-year down four thirty seconds, yield two point one four percent. Gasoline surging four point eight percent. Gold down four tenths of one percent to thirteen ten the ounce. West Texas Intermediate crude down eight tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg. Business flash.
1: Charlie Pellet, thank you very much. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets. I'm Carol Masser in our Bloomberg 11:30 studio, and this is Bloomberg. we want to talk a little bit about the next Fed meeting. It's just roughly three weeks ago. And One former Fed advisor, as crazy as it sounds, says a rate cut could be just as likely as a rate tightening. A story only on the Bloomberg. Danielle DiMartino Booth, former advisor to the Dallas Federal Reserve, also a Bloomberg profit columnist, professionals who are offering actionable insights on the markets, the economy, and monetary policy. Keep in mind, contributors may have a stake in the areas that they write about. Danielle, back with us in our New York studio. Nice to have you here.
2: So great to be here today.
1: I love this i kicked off my broadcast saying we've got someone we're going to talk to who said we could get a rate cut a rate as cut? likely as a rate increase and this is prior to harvey prior to harvey what's your thinking look are, are you just trying to be provocative or
2: no not at all uh, um Ken Rogoff made me a little bit more provocative with a recent paper that he produced that said that we should be preparing for negative interest rates and how to implement them properly. Uh, and this was something that just 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 came out last week. Uh, and he's considered to be kind of your maverick thinker when it comes to cashless societies, the way central bankers are going to handle the next crisis or even the next recession. And again, there he is calling for negative interest rates. But to, to do it better and more effectively than Japan did, of course. Um, but so tell me your thinking, though. What justifies it? You're going to go – you
1: walk into a room of great thinkers, economic thinkers, and you say, hey, we're going to get a rate cut, Yeah.
2: not a rate increase. And they look at me like I've got three heads. Correct. So what do you say to them? What's your, what's your list to kind of justify this well, argument? Well, I mean, these are things that I learned at the Fed, right? There's a lag for everything, but one of the first lessons that we learned about economics 101 is that the – manufacturing sector tends to lead the economy at the margin. So it tends to presage what's to come. And we know that the auto manufacturing sector is in an outright recession. We know that. We know that for a fact. And this is How, Why do you say it's in a recession? That That's just the Fed's industrial production figures. Period. And that, that, that was one of my recent um, Bloomberg columns. Uh, and and we, we ran the graph and it, it has turned negative. Manu- oh. uh, auto manufacturing production. And, and always parts. seen as a precursor to a recession? Absolutely. But think about how much auto manufacturing has driven the economy and car sales. I get that. But I would also argue
1: that we're in this sharing economy, right? So mm-hmm. I don't really have to. Certainly where I live, right. uh have to have a car. I have a car, but I don't. Have to have a car. Right. Uh, I look at my nieces and stuff. They don't really, I think, care truly about having a car mm-hmm. unless they, they you know need it depending on where they're living because of Uber because of ride sharing and so on and so
2: mm-hmm. forth. So how does that play into it? But we're talking again about the drivers of the recovery. What's been holding up this two percent give or take growth rate? Obviously, we've just had a much better yeah. uh, second quarter. Uh, but what we're talking about, what's driven it? What's driven it has been auto manufacturing. What's driven has been the shale revolution. And as we're seeing, again, post-Harvey, oil prices are are coming down. So t- today, especially... But oil prices have been coming down for a long time. And they I would have. also
1: argue that we're not a manufacturing economy. We're a services-led
2: economy. We are a services-led economy, and that's what's led to so many jobs being created with low salaries. Again, the higher-paying jobs that were created during the current recovery, they came from the energy sector, they came from the auto sector. And these are areas right now that are down. And falling. So, again, it's not that we're not creating jobs. We are creating jobs. But there's no conundrum associated with the fact that we've seen so little in the way of wage inflation. And policymakers at the Fed absolutely have to be paying attention to this, especially with consumer confidence at a 16-year high. And what will it turn on so quickly? What, what do we know consumer confidence is driven by? Sentiment. Investor psychology, wages, what prices at the gas pump? Oh, prices at the gas pump. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it's, I missed the cue. <laughs> it's what households see first. It's what households will feel quickest.
1: So you're saying because of Harvey, that will say absolutely.
2: I mean, we already are. It's a, it's an 11 cent per gallon rise it, that will be noticed immediately. Let me just ask you though, if sure. for
1: some reason though that you know you can see uh, the energy sector kind of get back
2: online pretty quickly mm-hmm. in Houston, does that change your thinking then? It will certainly mitigate the damage to households, but again, we are in a very fragile place if you look why doesn't at why doesn 't it feel that fragile
1: well,
2: it doesn 't feel terrific it doesn 't feel that fragile because of where the financial markets are, but again they 're kind of what has not caught up with the rest of the data with the saving rate at, at, at multi year lows mm-hmm. with, uh, with, with consumer credit defaults going up we 're hearing from the credit card companies we 're hearing from the auto lenders. Um, that, that defaults are picking up. All right, so we've got a meeting come, what, September 20th? September 20th, yes. So will they, what will they do with their balance do sheet? Do you think
1: so we could see, okay, right, we care about the balance sheet, but you're saying, wait, we're going back to the fundamental stuff of what's going on with mm-hmm. rates,
2: and that that becomes right. another debate. Yeah, I, I found it to be highly suspect, and I'm not the first person who has said this, Yeah, that they didn't talk about monetary policy at Jackson Hole At all. Because maybe they don't know what to do. Well, (laughs) I don't mean that as a – I'm not being critical, but I think it's like – If they were data-dependent going into Jackson Hole, now they're data-confused coming out of Harvey. Because, look, if they weren't sure what they were going to do before, there's no – way. My vote for September is that they're going to say we intend to start shrinking the balance sheet because they left themselves a little bit of wiggle room in the last Fed meeting minutes that said – we're going to continue to possibly discuss it at the September meeting. Not necessarily pull the trigger.
1: Danielle, is a recession playing into your thinking as well?
2: Is it somewhere in the next six to twelve to eighteen month horizon? I think so. Uh, you know, I was speaking to my good friend Dave Rosenberg, who's mm-hmm. up in Toronto, and he Luskin and I were staff, talking. Yeah. yeah, he and I were talking about housing, and he said, "Look, this is your benchmark." And he is the king of housing. He called the last housing cycle. Right. He said, "Once housing turns, give yourself twelve months. You're inside of a recession." Well, guess what? We've seen housing turn.
1: Hmm. You're leaving me with a lot of things to think, well, to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, 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 you're going to have to come back.
2: I'd, I, I'd love to come back, but I'm hoping that what you and I are talking about is also what's being spoken about inside the walls of the Federal Reserve.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to follow this and track it and uh, come back some more. Absolutely. Danielle DiMartino Booth, former advisor the for Dallas, uh, Federal Reserve, Bloomberg Profit Columnist based in Dallas in our Bloomberg 1130 studio on this Wednesday. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio.